Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mental Money, a financial podcast that believes that money is more than just dollars and cents. I'm your host, Randy, and I'm a legacy coach who has been teaching people to navigate their finances for the past few years, and I absolutely love seeing people win financially, which is one of the biggest reasons why I created this podcast. So what can you expect from the Mental Money Podcast? Well, the first thing you can expect is a new episode to drop the second Thursday in each month. And the second thing you can expect is a new guest every single time, sharing a unique perspective on their financial journey, their financial struggles, or just a unique take on a financial concept to help us all learn from each other. So if this podcast interests you, please give us a follow and keep listening because the next episode starts now. allowing me to come on and, and share with your guests. I hope that we have an inspiring conversation today. Um, well, my name is Lindsay Sutherland. I'm the host of the Passive Income Examiner podcast, which I started after my journey of, of leaving the big city and moving to a log cabin in the woods, which was my, my someday dream that I wanted sooner than later. <laughs> Both of my parents passed away before they ever made it to retirement. And that taught me that there's no guarantees. I constantly felt this pressure of like my clock was running out and I had to live my best life. Now, a funny truth to that story is that the managers I was working with, a lot of them had cabins in the woods and um, they were all coming up here to celebrate their two weeks out of the year and their vacation time. And I would look at that and think, I don't want to work so long and hard to get two weeks out of the year to be happy. I'm going for it. So that's kind of what inspired my journey and and brought me to where I am today. How how long did it take you to actually fully commit to going out of the city and live in this log cabin lifestyle? That's like a really great question, I think, because so many people don't recognize the power of commitment. I think a lot of times we put a dream on the shelf and we kind of imagine that someday this is going to happen or we do this if this happens then. So once I'm making this much money or once this a thing happens in my life, then I'll go for dream. And that's really what it was in my life. We had this dream on the shelf for years. Uh, it started around the time that my second son was born. So that would have been around 2009. And I was working full-time in the automotive industry, which for anybody who knows, it's a very stressful, high intense environment. And it was a career path that I wanted to go down. I wanted to be a GM and all that jazz. But after having kids, clearly my kids became a high priority. I was working, I only got four days off a month. And I'll never forget this moment. I was sitting in my recliner, looking at my little kids, my two firstborn were two boys. And they looked like somebody else's children. And I thought, this is just so backwards. Like, I need to be spending more time with them. And that's when we started talking about, you know, ditching the city life, going, living. (laughs) My husband thought about living in a yurt. (laughs) I don't know if you know what a yurt is. It's like a big tent, circular tent thing. 
And, you know, interestingly enough, we both wanted the same thing, my husband and I, but we would always have different ideas on how to get there, or we would get stuck in conversation talking about how it could play out. Well, where would we make the money? How is it going to, how are we going to get jobs? How will we build a house and work? Like, you know, trying to put our brain to use to solve this puzzle was maddening, honestly. And it would create this disruption. And I would, we just kind of throw that dream back on the shelf. I'm like, you work on it. I'm working. Cause I was the primary breadwinner and he was home with the kids. I said, you just, you work on making that dream happen. I'm going back to work. And I would get sucked back into the grind. And then a few months later, we pulled the dream off. It became this band-aid, right? And one day this was, now I've had four children. My fourth one was a year old. And Again, I'm watching her being raised by the nanny thinking this is still so wrong. I just have to be with my children more. I looked at my husband again, we we're talking about the dream. And I said, when are we going to start doing something about this and, and stop the just talking about it? I'm, I'm over it. Like we are making this happen. And that's when the commitment happened up until that point, it was just a someday dream. It was just a conversation piece. This is the point when I actually felt the energy shift. We started making a plan. We started listing our, you know, what steps do we need to take to list our house? What steps do we need to take to really want in a, in a property, in a house? You know, we were still a little bit undecided. He wanted to build. I didn't. With having a baby and four kids, I was not interested in building a house. <laughs> it did not sound fun to me at all. <laughs> But he was, he was really passionate about the idea of building his own house. But I was secretly going for like, let's just find a house we can all fit. My grandmother passed away that year. And so my grandfather ended up moving in with us. So much life had happened from the time that we started this talk to this particular day when we finally just decided this is happening no matter what. And that was in 2016. I actually ended up writing out on like a Google doc, a, a plan. And it was Lee and Lindsay's plan to live in a log cabin in the woods by December, 2018. That was written on the top. And then it was all of how we thought we were going to do it. We were going to invest in real estate because my husband had been a real estate investor. Um, we, we, I just had all these financial plans that was Lindsay and Lee's way of getting the job done. And in all retrospect, God had his own plan because we ended up getting the cabin in the woods and everything kind of went in reverse. We ended up moving and then working on building up our financial situation differently. So it's just kind of funny how, you know, you might think you have it all figured out, but really just take the action and move towards your goal and things will come together as they do. And that's kind of how it went for us. Hmm. So did you do like some sort of transitional work as you were kind of going to the cabin in the woods kind of thing, or was it just a simple, let's go and figure it out? Yeah, it was very much flying by the seat of our pants, having a lot of faith in myself. I knew I was employable. So I also knew that I was capable of working from home. I had a lot of skills after working 20 years in the career I'd been in from sales, marketing, business management, leadership. I had all these things. I, I did not want to go back into a car dealership, really. That was just the energy of that 
place. I just didn't want to be in that space anymore. I wanted to use my talents in a more, I don't know, more of a blessing type of situation rather than such a cutthroat environment. And um, I trusted that things were going to work out. What I didn't know, and I even asked my realtor, I said, how do people do this? How do they just pick up their life and move with no job, no family, no friends, no clue of what's in that town. We, we literally went from Glendale, Arizona, which is a huge city, Phoenix and all that, to a town that had like 3,000 people. The nearest Walmart is an hour away. So it's not like you can't just go drive down the road and put in a bunch of applications and you're going to get hired. And a lot of the places that we were, that were hiring, were hiring at minimum wage, which back then was still like eight, nine, $10 an hour. I couldn't support my family on that, obviously. And I knew I, my skill set was deserving more than, than that. But also I was I, this is a time in my life when I went through a lot of personal growth. I was also learning a lot about myself and learning to set boundaries on following what I was willing to do and what I wasn't willing to do. I wanted to be with my children. I wasn't willing to give up that time. There was a lot of growth. Just, I mean, I'm giving you the nutshell version, but it mm -hmm. was very internally expansive, <laughs> as you might say. But I ended up, as luck would have it, finding a job here working for a log cabin company that it's just an interesting story. I love log cabins. We found a log cabin to live in, end up working for a handcrafted log cabin company that's local here as their office man. I ended up running their office, their sales team, and handling their marketing all as one role, which may sound like a lot, but from what I went to, to this, it was a cakewalk right. and so much less stress. It was eight to five, Monday through Friday. If I had a thing with my kids, I just went, I mean, just so relaxed compared to what I had. And I even thought, man, I could just do this for the rest of my life. Like this is a great gig. Then COVID came and that really put the pressure on even more. I'm like, I just have to homeschool my kids. Like this isn't an option sending them to public school right now. I went through that with, as a lot of parents did working full-time, trying to homeschool your kids through the school system that was trying to figure out what the heck was going to be going on. The communication was deplorable. Knowing if my kids did their work while I was at work was a big question mark. I mean, it was just utter chaos. I basically just tossed it in the wind and said, well, this year is what it is. We're going to make a plan for next year. So I put in my notice. I said, I've got to be home with my kids. This is a great company. I love you guys. I love what you're doing. I love working for this uh, environment and all that, but I've got to be there for my family. Now, again, I was, I felt like I was recreating this, like leaving one thing without a real solid plan. So one thing that I, that I advocate for that, that I'm in my business now, and I'd like to help parents who want to leave their nine to five, a lot of people, and I do advocate, if you can build up something in your spare time to replace your income, by all means do it. But in reality, and I've heard this from so many other people that I've talked to, Nine out of 10 times, you don't really get that chance to replace your income until you take the plunge and leave. Part of that is because you don't have the time, uh, the capacity to do it. I mean, I started my podcast and I was building passive income in my spare time while I was working at the log cabin company. I was doing that. Um, but my income being that as the primary income earner, that really was replaced in all honesty after I left 
I ended up converting this employer into a client. I said, let me, I'm starting my marketing agency for my house. Let me do your, continue to do your marketing, you know, hire somebody to handle your books, hire somebody to handle your sales. Let me just do your marketing from home. So that was a great, easy transition, kind of helped keep that financial ball rolling. And then I went out and quickly got new clients. Um, and then I, there I was, I mean, I was working from home still, that's not passive income. I mean, but I did transition from working full-time to doing service-based business at my house, which really gave me that, um, launch pad I needed to have the time and the clarity and the, the peace of mind to focus. Cause when you're scrambling and you're trying to just make your dollars happen, that's not a very peaceful mindset. And it's hard to be a creator when you're in that place. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with you that like sometimes it's a matter of choosing your focus when it comes to something. And sometimes that means being drastic and being like, I need out of here because this will never happen if I'm if I'm just sitting here trying to juggle way too many things at once, right? Like focus, focus to me is is really important to that. So what if you were to kind of look back and what, what what's something that like moving into a minimalist lifestyle that just really shocked you? Well, to me, it wasn't so much of a shock as it was gratitude joy. I, I'm a person who doesn't like a lot in my life, the clutter, the busy. Oh, I know what it was, Randy. This just occurred to me. I discovered that I was addicted to being busy. Mm. And this is a point that I think a lot of people don't even realize about themselves. It's an interesting journey. If I were to graph my busyness, say like on a line graph, obviously I went from managing a team of 30 people, overseeing marketing of, of a dealership. I was really busy. I'd come into work. I was constant firing interaction, like, chaos mm -hmm. all the time right so there's this threshold of tolerance you could say of of my chaos limit and obviously it was probably a lot higher than many other people but that's where i was used to i built that tolerance up leaving that job so literally i left we moved in um, a week before christmas and i want to say it was around the 7th or 8th of december right around the same time we're recording this but in 2018 that I left on a Friday, we got the U-Haul, we moved that weekend. Like there was no break, okay? And then we moved and then we were, it took us a while to get here. It was a very clunky experience. But that aside, after we moved here, we I had some money from our house sale. Plus we had a condo, uh, like a rental property that we had some income coming in from. So I took a break. I took a year off. I didn't hmm. know what I wanted to do. I told you there was a lot of inner work going on. But I wanted, I want to highlight something here. In that year, I noticed that my body was physically decompressing from this chaotic environment that I lived in all of the time, like from work and even home. It was always stress, ready for the next thing. It's like I had my, my guard up all the time. And then to come here and to have the quiet and the peace and the sanctity of watching snowfall and playing with my daughter all day and not... I went through a lot. Like I started like, what's my purpose in life? I should be doing more than this. I'm, I felt guilty for not being busy. My house was a 
pristine. Like I was Susie Homemaker. <laughs> like, <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't know what to do with myself. It was, it was really, it was probably the biggest, most shocking experience when I recognized two things. One, I started to really see how the stress was killing me. Hmm. I had told my husband, I can't tell you physically what's wrong with me, but I'm telling you that the stress of this life is slowly killing me. I just knew it. I had to get out. And when there was a time where we we did have one stressful, I remember one financially stressful experience in the process of selling our Arizona house. And it was such a trigger for me. I went from being calm to my husband and I talking about this and I instantly got a migraine. It was crazy. I don't get headaches. Hmm. Like I'm not one of the people that gets migraines or headaches, but the stress of the experience triggered this like bodily reaction in me. And it was, that's where I'm saying it was like this PTSD. It was like, it was uncontrollable. My body's physical response to stress was so programmed that I couldn't deal with it. It was bizarre. And I thought to myself, that is so bizarre because I know myself, I can handle this. This isn't even that big of a deal. But because of the tender situation my body was going through in that healing process, it was very different. And I'm, I think more people than not are addicted to being busy because you get to a point where you take things off your plate and then all of a sudden you just start piling them back on and you wonder why are you always busy? It's because we're not intentional about being present mm -hmm. and allowing that space for, for nothingness to be going on. It's really important. Yeah. And I think it's important just to note that oftentimes we think of like minimalism as a declutter of stuff, but realistically minimalism, like you were just talking about comes down to a declutter of your life really, and a slowdown and a rethink of let's go back to the simple basics. And like you're saying, everyone's busy. Everyone is addicted to this busy that we have, but I think it helps just in life in general, when you declutter stuff from your life, but if, but that will just turn into decluttering your life in general. Well, my experience has been that our outsides reflect our insides and clutter ourselves. In truth, in a lot of cases, we identify with ourselves as our, think about it like this. When you meet somebody for the first time, hi, my name's Lindsay. Yes, I'm Randy. Hi, what do you do? We ask about what we do. Mm. And so our identity is so wrapped up in doing that it makes sense that we keep filling our time with doing because that's where we're getting our value, our sense of self. When we alter that space and we remember that our, our beingness, our presence of who we are is truly the result of who we are, suddenly doing isn't the significant part of our life. And it's easier to rest in the not doing. Like I still struggle with this. I still notice and pay attention. Like sometimes in the morning when I'm drinking my coffee, I'm a, I'm a morning person. I like to get up and get busy. I will intentionally not get busy because I want to put myself in that, like I'm in control, like I'm going to intentionally be present to doing nothing and just being with myself. And when I get in spaces like that, that's when I get an urge to declutter my house. Recently, I just, I was like, I've got to purge my closet. It was for no real other reason than it felt like I'd accumulated clothing 
over the last few years. You know, it happens. We all accumulate things, but sometimes mm-hmm. we get things and we just don't be intentional about going through and getting rid of something when we get something. So I did, I went through, I got a whole garbage bag full of stuff out and it felt so good, but it was a, it was coming from a place of, of joy because I was, I just no longer needed the stuff, but I also had the peace of inside of me and the lack of the busyness that was calling that forth. Hmm. That's really good. Well, that sound effect means it's time for a segment called The Guest Suggest. This is where you, the guest, suggest something that has inspired you along your journey, and you are just more than happy to share with anyone. This could be a book, a podcast, a speaker, anything that has inspired you. So now it's time for you, the guest, to suggest. So there is a book. And I'm looking it up right now because I'm, you might, it's Marie, Marie Coney, I think is her name. Okay. Let me look it up really quick. Marie Kondo, um, Sparking Joy. I read this book quite a few years ago. Um, She even has a Netflix series now, but what I love about the book, have you read it? I have not. I've heard about it though. Okay. She's talking about decluttering and actually the show is where she goes in and helps people declutter, but the way she goes about it is so interesting and aligns so much with my philosophy of living from a place of joy and being in presence. Uh, She'll say like, for example, you're going to do a closet clean out and you take all of your clothes out and then you look at each one and you say, does this bring me joy? If it says yes, you keep it. If it's no, you discard it. And now also coming from somebody who lost both of my parents, my grandmother, I had accumulated things that belong to loved ones that had passed on. And those are so hard to let go of because you're you're feeling like you're letting go of that relationship, you know, again, each time. And so I understand that, but I learned through that book that by loving and releasing things and choosing only things that bring me joy. I'm very intentional now, not just with my things, but with my life and my time and my, I call it my energy bubble. Uh, The people I spend time with, we better experience joy or it's not worth my time, right? Mm. Because to me, like I said in the beginning, time is precious. We don't, we only have so much of it. I will not, I'm very careful. Let me rephrase that. I'm very careful about who I spend time with, what we're doing. Um, and whether or not it brings me joy. Granted, there's a lot I do for my kids that probably doesn't bring me joy, but the joy comes from seeing their joy in a way. You know, I don't love Marvel movies, <laughs> but I go to them because I have two teenager boys. Right. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, you kind of have I to. I think having that space of joy. Yeah. yeah. Having that space of joy, that book really a long time ago, but it's impacted so much of my life and moving and making that transition from the city all the way to here, bigger than things. It's, it's helped me create minimalism within myself mm. and create and be okay with saying no to things, being okay with being intentional with who I, I've let friendships go. You know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. there's big changes in my life that I've been intentional about all based on that premise of, is it bringing me joy? Hmm. 
And what was that book called again? This is called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Okay. And again, you would think it's just about keeping a clean house, but it really expands so much farther than that. Thank you for participating in that. Now let's get back to answering questions about minimalism and passive income. So what are some practical next steps? Let's break this off into two different things. Like one, let's talk about minimalism to start with, and then let's talk about uh, passive income next. So what are some next practical steps to help people move forward on their minimalist journey? Well, I break it down into three specific steps. Um, The first is clarity. You know, you want to be life that you have. Envision it like it's happening now. Experience it in your mind as if it's happening now. Be very clear. Step two is to make that commitment, right, that we talked about. Commit to this. This is what you're doing no matter what. This is how your life is. Accepting it as your new identity is powerful. It's like putting on a robe. Like when you go to to a, a store and you're trying on clothes, Imagine trying on this lifestyle as an experience. Like, how does it feel to be wearing this? How does it feel to be living in this lifestyle? And really commit to it. And Mm. the third is to consistently take action. I think this is the hardest one for people because it's easy to swoop back into our old habits. It's easy when we're in relationships, when, you know, maybe I want to declutter a space, but it's my husband's space. So, uh uh-oh, you know, (laughs) Like that's a whole nother ball of wags. Yeah. But, um, you know, so it can be a little bit frustrating, especially when we're trying that for ourselves and maybe other people in our house are not. And also I think some people have more of attachment issues than others. Like my children, I've noticed my daughter, she can let things go like nothing like, Oh, just get rid of it. My son, on the other hand, he'll keep everything. So like, helping the family through this and experiencing that from coming from a mother's place, right? Where mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of the hub. I'm, I'm helping everybody along. So that consistency and consistently taking action, consistently making choices from that state of joy, whatever you're, I, I encourage everybody to have a fundamental foundation, like a baseline where they make their decisions based on. That's why that joy statement is so good because minimalism is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. So your definition could be different than mine, could be different than somebody else. So we have to know what is our boundary and have a clear definition so that when we make choices, when we go to buy something, is this in alignment with my boundary? When I go to um, the store and my kids are just nagging me to get this, that, and the other thing, it's hard to say no. But I also know that those things are going to just be loved for five minutes and then they become trash. So I have Mm -hmm. to ask myself, is it worth it, right? So making those choices based on that foundation and that box that we decide, that's where the clarity comes in, but consistently referencing it and consistently taking action. So those are the three steps, clarity, committed, consistent, and moving forward towards your goal is really ultimately how you get that done. Awesome. Do you have, is it very similar with um, passive income or is that a different set of steps? To me, every, you can create anything in life, whether it's a minimalistic lifestyle, whether it's a freedom passive income lifestyle. Passive income is great for people who, it ties into minimalism like this. For people who don't want to have their time 
obligated to others. Some people love their job. They really get value and, and affinity from doing a service and from having clients or working with people or the experience of going to work. They enjoy what they do. And to those people, I say, that's where you have to go back to your vision and create that. Now, sometimes what can happen is you love your job, but it's not covering the bills, which I think right now more than ever, people are starting to feel that squeeziness mm-hmm. with the price of food and gas changing and all these things happening. So passive income is a great way to leverage your time in a way that's got exponential return. So in a way, it's never really passive. You're investing something, whether it's money that you earned because you put your time into it or you're putting your time into it. What I teach specifically is how to build six streams of income around one topic. I would probably put myself just out there to say I'm like the minimalist of passive income because I love efficiency. I want to create one marketing funnel that can make me money multiple ways over rather than multiple streams of income. Like I could have an Etsy store. I could have um, investments. I could have real estate. And then I have to like juggle all of these balls. I have to educate myself in all of these topics. It becomes cluttery, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, I say focus on one topic and build a business around that topic And whether that means you're offering products like merchandise, courses, information, books, and digital products like printables, as well as even other ways of selling. Like I can, I can go on for days when I come up with ideas, once I have a topic to sink my teeth into, but that's ultimately (laughs) what I teach. And so those are, that's a great strategy for anybody who's looking to earn a little extra money on the side, or they really do want to have that time and financial freedom that affords them this lifestyle where they can just live simply, maybe live off grid, maybe live and travel. Some people really like the idea of just RVing mm-hmm. or, you know, living in a tiny house or whatever the case may be. Um, it's a great way to give you that time freedom that you want. Hmm. So if you were able to answer one question that I didn't ask yet, what would that question be? And then go ahead and answer it. Okay. Um, well, I would say when it comes to specifically minimalism and money, asking yourself, is your money working for you or are you working for your money? When we can get our money working for us and or our time, because in a lot of ways they're interchangeable, that's when we've created a minimalistic financial experience. In other words, we can really pinpoint our dollars and tell them what to do. <laughs> if that hmm. makes sense. Yeah. They become the, 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 start, the, the marchers out there working for us versus us hustling to earn those dollars. And I think that mindset shift is really the starting point to developing any sort of financial minimalism in a way, because we really want to change the way we think about money because chaos comes from thinking we have to be busy, right? And if we think we have to be busy earning money, then we're constantly working hard to earn the money because we think that, right? So flipping mm-hmm. the script um, is the foundation. And then open your mind to the possible are interested in. 
if you are interested in building like an online business around one topic, you know, connect with me, listen to my podcast. If you want to expand your mind from there, or maybe you have some financial resources you'd like to deploy in investment strategies, also consider this. I have a free gift for you. I have a, it's a PDF, five ways to earn $5,000 a month with passive income. And you can text the word PI, which is an acronym for Passive Income Examiner, to 33777. Now, I have to say, this is U.S. only. So if you're in Canada listening, you can get this download on my website, thepassiveincomeexaminer.com. It's right on the front page. So either way, you can get access to it. Um, and I would encourage you to just read through that and, and see what ideas spark joy <laughs> and go for it. Awesome. Well, we do have a lightning round for you. So I'm just going to give you two more questions here and then, yeah, just answer them open and honest, and then we'll go from there. So first question is, what was one of your biggest financial mistakes and what did you learn from it? Okay. Well, I will, I love transparency. I invested, um, $12,000. I'm trying to do the math in a coaching program. Now I've invested in coaching programs. Most of my life, I believe in coaching. This particular program was a mistake. And, uh, what did I learn from that? I actually have learned a lot about the program that I want to offer people and what not to do. I thought I wanted to model my program the way hers was modeled, which is why I signed up. After going through a program and being sincerely disappointed, um, which I believe people get out of it what they put into it. And I'll tell you, I put in every, 100%. Like, I'm mm -hmm. 100% in. When I invest, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I just felt constantly stuck and constantly unhelped. And it was just a real feeling of being left in the dust. And I learned from that, that that is really important to me in any program and coaching I do, that everybody feels like they are being taken care of throughout the process. Um, I wouldn't want that to happen to anybody in my program. So what is your next big financial goal? So right now I'm working on actually two things. Um, one is a very strategic passive income avenue. The other is a more um, impact goal, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So my passive income goal is investing in crypto. I had a guy on my podcast. He's also on my website and I have what's called like a pie circle of trust. So these are, these are people I vetted. I've looked into their programs. I've even signed up with some of their programs because I want to know what it's like. Mm -hmm. And his is one I did. It's called crypto y'all. Um, I am learning how to invest in crypto farms. So that's not the same as being a crypto farmer. In other words, I don't need the servers and the computer and all the smart tech. I literally invest in the business of the farm. It'd be like, I'm not a gold miner per se, but I'm investing in a mine, in a mine rather. And by doing that, I get paid daily. So I've already dabbled and I'm building my, my passive income in cryptos. Um, because I really want to understand this. I think this is going to be a really important future for, for all of us to understand how this works. Um, definitely educate yourself. You know, that's one thing I do love about Josh. He's really good about educating in his cohort. So feel free to check him out on my podcast. And then my second financial goal is the impact goal. And I am shooting to do a speaking career. Um, I, hmm. 
I'm uh, in the process of finishing my TEDx talk. I'll be applying for that this year and working on literally traveling to tell my story and to inspire people to take their dream off the shelf and live it, right? And I intend to really uh, replace all of the service-based income that I've earned and have had worked towards to replace that by literally speaking and then traveling with my family and taking them on journeys with me so we can have more experiences. Awesome. That sounds like really good goals. So where can people find you? My website's the Passive Income Examiner. That's the best place. It's got access to all my programs and my podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I uh, really appreciate your time and I'm sure my audience and myself is better for, for hearing this. So thank you. Grateful for being here. Thank you, Lindsay, for coming on again. I really appreciate it. I know my audience is better for it as well. One of the key takeaways that I took away from our conversation was simply that our identities are just so wrapped up in our busyness and we need to stop that. And we need to get very clear on what we actually want to do instead of just being stuck on where we are. Because if our identities are continually just what we do for a living, we're going to miss the big picture on what, on where we actually want to go. It's so important that we understand that the amount of busyness that we have often hinders our ability to make our, our big goals happen. So we need to declutter. We need to de-busy our lifestyles in order for us to focus and actually make that cabin in the woods happen. Now, this isn't easy. Sometimes this means leaving a job and having nothing lined up. Sometimes this means downgrading your lifestyle in order to make that goal happen. But ultimately, it will be better for you in the long run. So if you enjoyed our conversation with Lindsay today, please go check out her website. Everything's in the show notes for you. She has a couple free gifts for you in there. So go please check those out and then give her some love while you're there. If you've enjoyed the Mental Money podcast in general, this episode or any other episode, please give us a rating and a review and give us a comment. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we could improve on and let us know what you want to see going forward. Either it's a topic you want us to cover, it's a guest you want us to have on, anything like that. We appreciate any and all constructive criticism. So as always, Lindsay and the rest of the Mental Money podcast listeners, keep going, keep winning. I'm cheering for you. And hang on, one last question. What's your cabin in the woods? <laughs>